Well, in the midst of what is being called a dire staffing shortage, the union representing ECOM's 911 operators is asking for the employer to extend temporary compensation and psychological supports that have been in place. And joining us for more on that is Donald Grant, president of the Emergency Communications Professionals of BC. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Can you talk a bit about the staffing shortage and how are things operating right now? So unfortunately, Ecom is still at uh, crisis staffing levels, despite us sounding the alarm constantly. Um, we're seeing constant messages uh, uh, pleading for more staff to come in. There have been threats of overtime basically every single weekend this summer. And uh, leading up into the, uh, the, the Labor Day long weekend, there's a possibility of forced overtime virtually every single day. And what that's looking like is uh, our 911 operators are are essentially taking call after call after call um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, at significant risk of burnout as we're we're continuing at these minimum staffing levels. Hmm. And when somebody is working in a, in a forced overtime situation, how many hours is that or what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, the, the way that it works, so uh, 911 operators work 12-hour shifts. So we'll, we'll come in and uh, uh, log into our phone and then we'll receive our first call. Um, it's a common misconception that uh, 911 operators actually pick up the phone. Um, there's this uh, computer software called CallForce, which uh, brings the, the emergency calls into our headset in order to save those uh, very critical se- seconds. So uh, we'll be receiving, uh, uh, we'll be answering a 911 call, and then immediately after that call is over, another one will appear in our ear. And we're doing that for 12 hours. And then what forced overtime looks like is that towards the end of your shift, a supervisor or a manager will come onto the floor and they'll have a letter. And that letter will be addressed to one of our 911 operators on the floor. And then they'll walk up to that 911 operator and hand them the letter and be like, you're, you're required to come in and work one of your days off as, uh, as forced overtime. And this is over and on top of the excessive amounts of overtime that are already being worked. And so how much notice would you get if somebody walks in with the letter and says you're next for, for coming in on your day off? How much notice would you get before that forced overtime? Yeah, so uh, uh, the, our typical shifts are two days, two nights, four days off. So it would be anywhere within your, your four days off. So it could be 24 hours notice. It could be 48 hours notice, but it's very little. And if you say it's something like, I'm sorry, I don't have childcare. I have a medical appointment or, or any of those reasons, what happens then? Yeah, so on the letter, it says that you're expected to come in to make arrangements. And if you're unable to, to work that shift, you have to find another employee to work it for you. So what, what we're finding is that, uh, you know, we're receiving these messages that possible forced overtime is coming up. Um, folks are burnt out. They've been working so much overtime. One of our members reached out that was forced in recently that was working, uh, was saying I'm averaging two overtime shifts every week. Um, that's over on top, and then uh, she's getting for- forced in for overtime. It's a terrible situation that, uh, that that's really uh, uh, stretching our 911 operators then. Yeah, that's got to be stressful. Also, I would imagine not knowing when it might be your turn or you're up next to do that. Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of stress, not knowing when it's your turn, not knowing if you're up next, and not knowing whether or not the forced overtime uh, or the, the staffing deficiencies have been filled. It's, it's been putting our 911 operators on edge for the whole entire summer, and there is no end in sight.
So Ecom has provided some enhancements as far as weekends, uh, increased pay for overtime work, also helping out with mental health supports and that kind of thing. So from what I understand, those are set to expire next month. And is it the union's position that if nothing is going to be done as far as staffing levels, at least keep those in place? Yes, 100%. So at least keep those uh, provisions in place. They have helped. I, I can't even imagine where we would be right now if, if those additional measures have not been in. Uh, really what we're having trouble doing is retaining folks. And we hire about 100 new and I own operators a year. Um, the problem is that we're, people are leaving faster than we can train them. So um, what 9-1 operators are leaving for is similar emergency services work. Uh, there are other organizations that either pay the same or significantly better or have a more manageable workload. And that's where we're losing our 911 operators too. What kind of a salary are you looking at if you become a 911 operator? Yeah, the starting wage is uh, $28 an hour, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a critical issue that we're experiencing. Um, but the, at the end of the day, the, the, the point that we're, uh, we're having our, our toughest uh, 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 situation in is uh, retaining the staff once they get in. Um, we uh, we have had a tremendous support from the community, and in, and uh, as the president, I attend these new employee orientations, and these folks have heard the stories out there. They are signing up, they're applying to go help their communities. The problem is is that uh, the the current workload um, is is unsustainable, and that the there is such a strong competition for these highly skilled, highly qualified operators who interact with these. Um, very complicated computer systems that know how to handle people on the worst days of their lives. Um, they are such a, a, a highly desired employee that uh, we're we're finding that uh, other organizations are recruiting them right out of our pool. Mm. And because exactly the way you described it as well, certainly not for everybody. This is a highly stressful job and you're going to be dealing with some pretty, uh, could be potentially disturbing scenarios and some high stakes scenarios. Yeah, uh, uh, we have to treat every call like an emergency until we're able to uh, uh, assess otherwise, and we're dealing with the full range of uh, emergencies that you can imagine. That could be anywhere from uh, someone having a heart attack. That could be to uh, armed robbery in progress. That could be, uh, you know, a, a mass shooting event. Like we have to be able to prepare to be prepared to handle these very dire emergencies, and that that is what we are there to do: is to answer your call for help and get you the help you need fast. So have you heard anything back then about extending these additional supports or what's being done about staffing shortages in the short term or the long term? Unfortunately, uh, uh, we haven't heard anything back. Uh, what we've been told is that they're assessing the situation. And unfortunately, when it comes to emergency services, like we, we need stability in these, uh, in these uh, roles. We need to know that uh, these solutions are either becoming permanent or are going to be in place for a long period of time so that uh, the 911 operators have the support and reassurance and recognition that this job is in, in uh, dire straits and that uh, there is investment coming and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. Well, we will check back in with you, uh, I'm sure. Donald Grant, thank you, though, so much for making the time this morning. Thanks so much for having me.